everyone. A warm welcome to the layman's channel. Um, once again this week we're going to be concentrating our studies upon the book of Philippians chapter 3 uh, where we are going to be uh, studying some of the things that will enable us to stand firm as we go through these last days. I think we're on part seven of this now. I'm not sure how many parts there are to go. There's still a lot to say. Uh, anyway, um, before we get into the study today, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I pray, Lord God, that as we continue these studies into your word, Lord, that you would strengthen us. That, Lord, that that would make uh, a reality of your word, Lord, that, Lord, you would light our path before us. That, Lord, that we would um, hear you say, this is the way, walk you in it. And, Lord God, I pray once again for deep understanding to come into each heart, into each mind, Lord God, that into each person that's uh, watching and listening to these studies. But, Lord God, that they may get revelations of just who you are and what you've done for them. And, Lord God, that you may strengthen them as each of us, Lord God, have our own trials to go through. Each of us, Lord God, have our own circumstances uh, to which we must overcome. So, Lord, I pray once again, Lord God, that the entrance of your word brings light and understanding and blessing, Lord God, to each one. And for myself, Lord God, I pray once again that you would anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God as you promised. And that, Lord, you would flow through me and use me as a conduit. That, Lord God, that you may be glorified. For, Lord, I don't do this for my own glory, I do it for yours. So be glorified, I pray, in our study today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, as we're progressing in our studies into the book of Philippians chapter 3, we're doing it in order to find some of the keys that will help us to keep standing firm when there is chaos all around. We're once again going to focus this time upon the importance of endeavouring to know Christ. Last time we made a start at understanding how to get to know him and we looked at some of the scriptures which emphasise the need to seek him with everything we've got. Obviously, if you're watching or listening to this and have never taken that initial step of repentance from sin and putting your trust in Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross and having faith in his resurrection from the dead, then doing those things is the first step on the journey to knowing God. If that's you, you can move from a position of knowing about God to knowing him personally the moment that you commit your life to do so. Anyhow, in this study, uh, we'll be trying to understand more of the reasons why we must get to know Christ in a more intimate way than we do now. But first, before we get into it, let's uh, read from the scriptures together as we once again read from Philippians chapter 3 and we're going to read once again verses 1 through to 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. 
If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. First of all, if you want to know what eternal life is, then knowing God is integral to experiencing it firsthand. In John chapter 17 and verses 1 to 3, Jesus prayed this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus gives to all who believe in him and his sacrifice the gift of eternal life. He told Nicodemus in John 3 verses 14 to 15, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. We all know what John said following on from Jesus' statement in John 3:16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But Jesus here in John 17 defines exactly what eternal life is. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, to know the Father and to know the Son. That is eternal life. That's why it's imperative for each one of us to make absolutely sure that the main priority in each of our lives is getting to know God and getting to know Christ. In doing so, eternal life can be enjoyed in the here and now. 
and not just a vague reality that's relegated to something we move into after we die. I think that's one thing we as Christians have pushed into the background, namely the fact that true eternal life starts for each one of us immediately after we trust God, immediately after we repent of our sin, immediately after we trust Jesus to deal with that sin. It's not something we have to wait for until we shed our mortal coils. Eternal life is the assurance of our faith and is the main reason why getting to know Christ should be of first importance to each one of us. Do you know Christ? Do you have that desire to know Christ, to know God? If we do, for that is when eternal life starts. The word in Greek here in John 17 is the verb ginosko and can mean to know absolutely, to be aware of, to feel and to have a surety of understanding. Getting to know God absolutely. To be aware of him. To know him is to feel him. And because of that knowledge, he gives us a surety of understanding. In Philippians 3, Paul makes use of two Greek words, meaning to know. In verse 8, he uses the word gnosis, which means knowing or knowledge, which is used in an intellectual way. Unfortunately, some people in the first and second centuries bastardised this term and created what we call Gnosticism which put all its efforts into worldly intellectualism and its processes, rather than the truth of God. Basically, Gnostics were dualists who worshipped two or more gods. Christians were monotheists, monotheists and worshipped one true God. Gnostics focused on the eradication of ignorance Christian's concern was the eradication of sin. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know much about it other than that, which is probably good for me and is definitely good for you. In Paul's ex exclamation at the start of verse 10 in Philippians 3, when he said, I want to know Christ, he uses the same Greek word John used in his gospel. Ginosko. He was desperate to experience the surety of his faith in Christ. It wasn't an intellectual knowledge that he was seeking. It was more of a desperation of a gut-felt reality in his spirit. Because if he had that, then he would know the power of the resurrection. He wanted that intimate relationship of knowing God so much that he was prepared to understand the suffering that Christ went through in order to save a lost and dying mankind. I want to know Christ 
and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He didn't shy away or put, put it at arm's length, knowing that knowing Christ in that way meant he would fully understand the suffering that Jesus went through. Boy, have we got a lot to try and live up to. It's understandable that we would want to try and lock that kind of desire of the knowledge of Christ away in some dark cupboard of our hearts. But to know him fully is to understand just how much he suffered on our behalf. My personal opinion is that I think that being willing to intimately understand the suffering of Christ is the first, is the first step to seeing revival. Without that knowledge, how on earth can we adequately describe what Jesus went through on our behalf to other people? How can the Spirit communicate that to other people if we don't have that intimate knowledge of him and his suffering and what he went through? Paul even told this to the Corinthian church in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2 when he said when I came to you I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Despite all of Paul's intellectual upbringing, despite his education studying the scriptures at the feet of the Jewish scholar Rabbi Gamaliel, all that knowledge that he could have called upon was put aside for the one thing that he knew could change his hearers' lives, the knowledge of Jesus Christ and him crucified. He told them this in verses 3 to 5, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I'm not saying here that it's not important to know other things in our walk with Christ. I'm also not saying to not use intellectual arguments to try and persuade people to repent. Read for yourself Acts 17 where Paul reasoned with his audience in an intellectual way. In verse 17 of Acts 17, it says this, He reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace by day with those who happened to be there. The important thing to realise here was just who he was reasoning with. Jews and God-fearing Greeks. In other words, people who already had some intellectual understanding about God but who did not know him.
In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul explains why he used reason in his encounters with Greeks. In verse 22, he says this, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. The whole Greek culture was based around a history of the great philosophers like Plato, Socrates and Aristotle. Men of great intellectual finesse. And Paul was trying to convince the Greeks that there was a knowledge far greater than the one that they had grown up being taught about. One who was far greater than Plato, far greater than Socrates, far greater than Aristotle. But that that knowledge was a stumbling block to them because they relied on a cerebral knowledge. You see, it's not about what you know, it's all about who you know. Paul went on to say, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. When Paul was writing to Timothy, he sums up this desire he had within himself to know Christ. In 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 to 12, he said, Therefore don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought to, to life immortality, sorry, and brought to life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Do we truly know in whom we have believed? Are we fully persuaded that he is able to keep what we have committed to him until that day? I am asking myself as I am asking you, do we truly know Christ. I'm not sure I can answer those questions for myself. All I do know is that there is a desire deep within my heart to want to know him in the way he wants to be known. Yes, in here, there is a deep desire in my heart to want to know Christ 
the power of his resurrection, even to the extent of sharing in fellowship his sufferings. I'm going to finish up today by allowing Paul himself to pray for each one of us in the same words he used to pray for the church in Ephesus. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. To know him, because that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, have a deep desire to know Christ Jesus. For that will enable us to stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I'll leave it there. May God bless you and I'll see you next time.